3: Tennis Direct are Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERV10. That's FIRSTSERV10. From the grassroots to the elite, from the juniors to the pros, covering the Aussies
2: tracking the globes to the champions internationally. Welcome to the First Serve... Your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. GLG, celebrating 25 years of industry expertise and exceptional service. Find out more at glgcorp.com.
3: Welcome, everybody, to the first serve. It is magnificent to have you along on a Monday night. Brett Phillips with you. Week two of the French Open. My goodness, 28 of the 32 women seeds who started the tournament gone... 22 of the 32 men's seeds eliminated as we go to air tonight, heading into day nine action in about an hour's time. As always, happy to take your calls, your show, your thoughts on the world of tennis abroad and here at home. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 or your texts on 0433 98 The question to ponder, who's going to be added to the French Open honour roll for 2020? On the women's side, Alina Svitolina, the highest-ranking player left, seeded three. She takes on the unlikely 23-year-old Argentine qualifier, Nadia Podoroska, who prior to this French Open had only qualified for the US Open main draw back in 2016. Let's hear from Alina Svitolina. Of course, if uh, I would be the highest seed, I would have advantage, but I don't have any advantage, to be fair, right now. You know, it's uh, uh, your advantage is only that uh, you're going uh, on the court. You have to bring the, the best game, what you have. Uh, as I said before, the girls,
4: they deserve to be there. They beat those uh, higher-ranked players, and uh, for, they are there for a reason. So, for me, I don't look uh, much further than my next round, and uh, it's very important uh, to to not focus on
3: other people you know I have my own way and that's uh, what I'm trying to do you know if I'll be looking who is winning who is losing you know I would uh, get lost uh, and also put too much pressure on myself so it's it's like pointless to do that. Well that's Alina Svitolina. Australian Open champion Sophia Kennan still alive as the fourth seed to take on the French uh, 41st ranked uh, Fiona Ferro. Sean in New York, one of our great listeners, he listens to our podcast every week, quote today, I love Fiona Ferro's game, she has, or she is, my dark horse. The two-time Wimbledon champion, Petra Gavitova, the seventh seed still alive, to take on China's Zhang Shui. All three should win. There is also a Tunisian, Anjabur, seeded 30, still left, looking for a second major quarterfinal this year after making the last eight here in Melbourne. I should mention the secret weapon in her camp is data analyst Shane Leonage. Working with her coach on the other side of the world and Shane this year here in Melbourne who does co-host our separate podcast offering each week called Crunching the Numbers. If you haven't taken a listen to that, you should. uh, Which you can find all the episodes so far at our website, thefirstserve.com.au or by subscribing to The First Serve through your preferred podcast platform. But who wins the tournament? Analyse it for us. I'd love your predictions tonight. 1-300. 736 to the men or Rafa looking for a 13th French Open Babalat ball Wilson ball he's still dominating 4-4 four, four and 2 love 1 and 3 1-4 and love One, one, and two over his four opponents so far. He's got nineteen-year-old Italian Yannick Sinner, who's absolutely top five bound. Hard not to sing this young man's praises. Uh, That's coming up next. He's flying in his R.G. debut. Took the scalp of Zverev overnight. The other quarterfinal on that side of the draw is Team versus Schwartzman. Their team. Is six-two head-to-head. The U.S. Open champion surviving an unlikely five-setter overnight over little lefty Frenchman Hugo Gaston, who threw in an extraordinary fifty-eight drop shots to claw his way back from two sets down to force it to five before team regrouped and saluted. Let's have a listen to the U.S. Open champion. He was playing a great match. I mean, as I said, I haven't seen for
1: a very long time a guy with that great hands with playing that great drop shots. Deep, heavy balls of mine, he played great drop shots. I had my troubles. I didn't find great answers to that drop shots. And then somehow, out of a sudden, it's like two sets all. I think that it was a great atmosphere, even though it was far away from full the stadium, but was was great atmosphere. And everything could have happened in that fifth set. And I guess with a little bit more experience.
3: So on, on that side, when the draw came out, you, you look ahead and you, and you strike. Strongly anticipated team, Nadal semi. Uh, Nadal has breezed through so far. Does he maybe need a match, a harder contest to be ready for team? Can Sinner provide that? On the other hand, what team probably won't want perhaps, or to maybe have his best chance of actually dethroning Nadal, is another five-setter or even a gruelling four-setter against Schwartzmann. Does Rafa need better quality match prep for team? Does team need to beat. at his freshest to beat Rafa. I would love your thoughts. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 wherever you're listening tonight. On the other side of the draw, it's Novak. And, and like Rafa, breezing through. off next. I mean, he beat him in Paris at the Masters a few years ago. Maybe you can draw some inspiration from that. But he does seem uh, final bound, Novak Djokovic. And the bottom half of that side of the draw, since he passed the best-ranked left, Rublev, going very nicely, and Dimitrov still alive. Tsitsipas-Dimitrov quarter is uh, certainly mouth-watering. Now, we've been saying it for quite a while about the depth of the women's game and the variety of winners. Overnight, the top seed and the hot favourite, Simona Halep in her quest for a second French Open crown, coached by the Aussie Darren Co was dismantled, absolutely dismantled by a young Polish player. Ironically, they met at the same stage, fourth round of last year's French Open, just 19, who's moved up to 45 in the world rankings live in this tournament and absolutely impressed everyone. Last year, when I went to Roland Garros, I had a seat next to Polish tennis reporter Peter Dobrowski, who kept me entertained. He was a pretty quirky, Peter Corder-type uh, quirky sort of character. He kept sort of banging on about a young star emerging who I had heard of but hadn't seen play live. Now, the reason I haven't said her name is because I'm going to allow Peter to say it with his superb accent, who I interviewed at last year's French Open on our show about the player 12 months on who sent Simona
5: Halep packing last night. Iga Świątek, her second Grand Slam uh, at, the, at the main draw, so uh, after she, she she was at the Australian Open second round uh, against uh, Camilla Giorgi, right now she's in the forefront, really like uh, to play on, on the surface on the clay, uh, she was born almost on clay because in Poland our, our courts they are like of them are uh, clay, the the, the rest of them are are on hard. Play really offensive, capable to approach to the net. She's very fast, she's very athletic, she can achieve a lot. Yeah, as I said, she, she has a really powerful serve. This year's Roland Garros against Monika Puck also herself was like almost at, at those speed. Yes, yeah, she she also has really good return and this is one of the most important part of her tennis. She She's very strong, very fit. She, she almost never had any problems to get to the net, even if uh, her opponent will play some drop shots. In the previous years we had Radvanska. Uh, she achieved a lot like no one before her. In women's tennis to be honest i think that iga can be the top 10 player honestly but she still needs to improve in in some parts of her tennis it's not like uh, that, uh, that at the age of 18 you can be number one when you are a teenager it's uh, it's impossible to, to progress with your body because your body is still pro- progressing, right? You still have to, have to just wait to train hard, to believe in, in uh, yourself. And Iga, of course, believe in herself. She has a great team next to her. She's much, much stronger, not only outside, but also inside. Last year when she was uh, in the semifinal of Roland Garros in juniors, right? She won the doubles and right now, after twelve months, she she's in the in the forefront of Roland Garros. She won uh, Wimbledon Juniors.
3: You brought a bunch of flowers in this week, and I thought, wow, I haven't seen anyone in the broadcast centre bring a bunch of flowers in. I thought well, they're probably not for me, but this is a tradition that you have with uh, the Polish players when they uh, turn eighteen.
5: Yes, sometimes, of course, but you know, it's it was quite important moment because we have eighteen years old only uh, once on, on a life, quite important moment. So I, I think that uh, it's a, a proper thing to do because uh, I was struggling to get. Some some present because I didn't know what to buy her, so I just bought flowers, and I, I think she was quite happy. Indeed, that's uh,
3: my Polish friend, who was a character at the uh, French Open last year, Pita Dabrowski, 15 months ago, on this show from Roland Garros, talking about Iga Swiatek uh, taking the scalp of uh, Simona Halep overnight. So she'll play Italian qualifier Martina Trevisan. Also. Uh, with the upset overnight over the fifth seed Kiki Burtons, the way she's playing, a very big chance to get to the final, maybe even win it. It was a 19-year-old Marquette von Drusever who was a surprise finalist last year, of course, taking on Ash Barty. Uh, Peter talking last year about... Uh, of course, her liking of the clay and and that being the dominant surface of tennis courts in Poland. A fortnight ago, you'll remember we had former Australian Futures player Jeremy Delaney on the show, bemoaning the amount of synthetic grass courts that we have in Australia as opposed to clay courts to aid the development and success of our players on the world stage. Now, Jeremy did follow me up uh, during the past week, sending through an article which was dated the 27th of September 2004. The headline, Tennis Australia rejects Woodbridge criticism. Tennis Australia has hit back at criticism from doubles player Todd Woodbridge over the lack of clay courts for juniors in Australia. The veteran Davis Cup player said that the introduction of synthetic grass courts had been a cancer on Australian tennis. Speaking after he helped wrap up Australia's 4-1 Davis Cup win over Morocco and Perth, he said juniors were struggling to compete overseas because of the lack of clay courts at home and he warned Australia would struggle to produce top international players if children did not have access to clay surfaces. Quote, we need to rip up every one of those courts for our juniors to play on if we want to improve our game. Well, 16 years down the track, it is uh, still an issue. So the wash-up on the Aussies at Roland Garros. Men, Polman, second round. Demonor, Thompson, Millman, Duckworth, Poprin and Vukic, first round. Women, Sharma and Gavrilova making the second round. Tom Lianovich and Inglis in the first round. So no Ash Barty, of course, who is the exception with the status that she's achieved. I'd love your lens on it, One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The question I'd pose to you is what are you going to settle with as a pass mark for our current Aussie players on the world stage? Are you satisfied with gallant efforts because that is realistic for the talent v talent that you're observing on the world tours or does the bar need to be raised? And I'm of the latter view personally. You can also weigh in on this tonight on the show and that is the use of Hawkeye on clay So it's been a very interesting talking point, and I'll just refer to this. So the TV viewer can see the mark, but the players and the umpires don't get access to it. So Hawkeye uses cameras surrounding the court, feeding a computer system that calculates the ball's predicted point of impact. And then there's called Fox 10, which supplies high-speed images of the actual ball striking the court, more than 40 synchronised cameras with 10 lasers which scan the court each camera gathering 2,500 images per second to make the call based on the real bounce. Now, that's used at Madrid, Rio and Charleston, three big clay court events during the year. I mean, I've always thought for a little while, and I think I've said it on this show, it is ridiculous, the umpire jumping out of the chair all the time, arguments with players. I mean, the issue is sometimes a player... And chair umpire can't even agree on which ball mark is correct. You've got a lines person who's unsighted and not seen the actual mark. Or there can be a dispute if the mark near a line was left by brush marks after the court was swept or the ball fibres. So Roland Garros obviously has taken some big steps to really modernise. The roof on centre court, lights on the outside courts and around the grounds will have night sessions next year. And adding line calling technology will no doubt modernize the tournament and really complement uh, Roland Garros's renovation. So I think that is a no-brainer that certainly the uh, tennis governing bodies need to have a really good look at. Our French Open update, thanks to Yonex, who have launched their Naomi Osaka LTD edition. E-Zone Rackets as used by her at the recent US Open. Limited release, limited number available. Check with your uh, local Yonex dealer. And, Lee, if you're listening to the show tonight, you did call in last week to tell me about a five-episode series called The Playbook. And recommended it to watch. Now, it's a coach's rules for life profiling five elite coaches. Now, one of the episodes did feature uh, Patrick Moritoglu, the current coach of Serena Williams. Absolutely loved it, Lee. Uh, really good. Also, watched the Doc Rivers and uh, Jose Mourinho episodes, which were absolutely brilliant. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, Stefan Woodley also called into our show last week to talk about a petition that have been gathered for the return of tennis here in Victoria. Now, my understanding is that that petition is up around 4,000 signatures. If anyone's got an update on that tonight and where all that sits, one three hundred seven 736 We're going to take a break. On the other side... We're going to go into quarantine all the way on the other side of the country and have a chat to Daria Gavrilova, who, well, needs us to entertain her, but she's entertained us all year on TikTok. It's great to see her back on the tennis court. Dasha, up next here on The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Green Life Group,
2: celebrating 25 years providing landscape, horticultural, and environmental services throughout Australia. GLG. Your open space specialists, glgcorp.com.
3: Welcome back, and of course you can be a winner here at the First Serve. Entries pouring in for our Wilson giveaway competition, all thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. So Their website, tennisdirect.com.au as we can go right now. First Serve listeners can get a 10% discount wide. so take advantage of that. So just use the promo code, First Serve 10. So two of the Wilson RG Clash 100 G3 rackets and all the accessories to the value of $500 and two of the Wilson RG Blade 98 rackets and accessories also to the value of $500 we are giving away. So to view what's on offer, just head to either our Facebook page, Twitter or Instagram. You can go direct to our homepage at thefirstserve.com.au You'll see what's on offer, what you need to do to be in contention to win and the Wilson competition will go through to the end of October. We'll announce the winners in early November. So head to our socials or our website. Well, Daria Gavrilova on the comeback trail, as we saw at Roland Garros. She's commenced her journey back to Melbourne, but it isn't home sweet home just quite yet. Having to quarantine in Perth for a fortnight, that wouldn't be fun for a person that struggles to sit still. She's kept us entertained beautifully through a tough year on TikTok, and it's good to see her back playing some tennis. Uh, Dasha, nice to have you back on the show. Hi,
4: thanks for having
1: me.
3: How's thanks beautiful, Perth. <me>. The curtains are open to be sunny in Perth at least. I mean, this is the tough part, isn't it, having to fly all the way back and you actually can't get back into your own bed immediately.
4: Yeah, it's a bit, um, it's a bit of a struggle, but this is um, only day two. I've, I haven't uh, been depressed yet. <laughs> I've been <laughs> fine so far. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're pretty lucky. We were um, able to get the connecting door rooms. So,
3: um, yeah, I've got Ellen um, with me. That makes it a lot easier. Definitely. Was that the plan to go and play a lead-up event, which you did, and then play the French and come home? Was that sort of the plan? I mean, I suppose it's been made a little easier because the WTA tournaments we know through Asia have all been cancelled. The men are still going to play some ATP and some challenger events, but apart from, I think, one event in the Czech Republic in a fortnight, there's not... A lot of tennis on offer.
4: Yeah, well, I was gonna stay more if there was an opportunity and play more tournaments, but um, uh, there isn't. the The tournament in Czech Republic, the cut for qualifying is around seventy or even mm. like lower, and my protected ranking is one oh four, and you know, yep. there's no way of me getting a wild card. Then um, there were a few tournaments in America, but I went to America. First of all, I don't even know if they're gonna be on because they're still like a few weeks away, two and a half weeks away. So the waiting game wouldn't be fun. And then um, coming back home to Australia would be a struggle on top of that. So I just decided to come back home and myself, Ellen, and Stormy, we were lucky to be able to get the flight. Pretty much the next the next day, we decided, okay, let's go home.
2: Mm. So,
4: um, yeah, we thought, okay, this is probably, like, the easiest option and um, it's uh, an opportunity to get back
5: home.
3: We're talking to Dara Gavrilova. It's great to have her back playing tennis. So, Deshi you play the ITF event qualified as expected, make the quarter. So you've got some matches under your belt. You go to Roland Garros with that protected ranking. You draw your Strymska in the first round. We know what she's been doing in the game in the last couple of years As one of many young Ukrainians that's certainly emerging. You take that scalp. What was the the feeling after that match? I mean, from, you, you've been at 20 in the world, so you've experienced where she's now getting to. Was it sort of you know, vindication that I can still do this or was there, even when you were sidelined for so long, was there still sort of a, a real inner confidence that you could come back and just compete sort of straight away?
2: Well,
4: I think from all the training that I've done, I think I knew that, like, I was playing well. You know, I was I was feeling good. I was hitting the ball well. But um, I just didn't know how I'm hitting uh, compared to other girls. So... Um even though I played that challenger to be fair, like it wasn't the it wasn't the level that I expected like as free it wasn't very high um I also like didn't play girls that were ranked that high, so i mm. I was like, okay, well, I still kind of don't know. I played one um a really good player, um a French girl she's young, she's only nineteen it um I played three sets against her. And, yeah, I think she's going to be a pretty good player. And then, you know, coming to French I had a few um, training sessions with um, the top players. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I can do this. I'm playing pretty good tennis. So, yeah, after winning that, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I didn't lose too much. In the year, so yeah,
3: I was um, I was pretty excited. I suppose that leads into my next question. Dash, I mean, I, you know, I spoke at the top of the show just the depth. I mean, we've been talking about it for a little while. The depth in women's tennis. I mean, you know, tough for Serena to get to 24. She's got all these young players who are. Coming through now and in the women's game, it just seems that people are playing you know, fearless tennis, really backing their games in, not worried about the reputation and the level of player and their status at the other end of the court. They're just playing their game and they're in uh, their zone. So when you look at what has happened since you've been out of the game in the last 12 months, what, what do you think you're capable of getting back to? And what, what have you set, I suppose, as what you'd like to try and achieve in the second part of your career, coming back after being you know, so into your tennis, you put so much in on the road, you had a chance just to go away and actually breathe and live life a little bit. What's the second incarnation of Daria Gavrilova going to look like?
4: Well, I don't really think it's like the depth of the tennis, to be honest. Like, I think um, we're playing in the era where maybe, I don't know if it's the level, I'm not sure, but there's um, definitely a lot of, Random um, matches, like looking at Roland Garros draw, this would never happen like no. ten years ago. You know. Yeah. So I guess it's pretty lucky for me to be playing in that era. I don't know how good I would be if I was playing ten years or twenty years ago. You know. So with all the results, you're like, oh my god, what is the, what's happening? <laughs> I guess I will just keep on playing and keep on fighting. And who knows where I can get? Because, um, honestly, like, looking yes, yeah, the uh, Roland Garros draw, I'm like, okay, my level might be even better than some of these girls. But
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, they're in the second week or quarter. So, um, you know, it gives hope for um, a lot of us. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's it's
3: weird times. Yeah, absolutely. It is just open. I'll, I'll try and get a prediction off you very soon. But we had Nicole Pratt on the show last week. Obviously, she's coached you, knows you so well. And, you know, just talking about what you've been trying to work on, she, you know, emphasised uh, the backhand and, you know, the serve and, and trying to, you know, obviously get a, a bigger advantage in that area. And obviously mm-hmm. you had some feet issues, so you were trying to, just get yourself fit and healthy so you can cover the court, which is obviously a huge asset. So are we going to see some big points of difference or are we going to see very much the fundamentals of your game with maybe just some little tweaks and and little changes here and there?
4: Probably more, just a few tweaks. Just, um, you know, it's not like I'm going to come out and serve and hit (laughs) big backhands. That's not going to be the case, but I've improved. I've definitely improved my serve. I feel more confident, you know, looking at the step, uh, stats against Yastrzemska. My second, third percentage win was pretty high, like 60%, um, percent, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And then, um, yeah, I think I've improved my backhand a little bit, um, changed my technique like a tiny bit. It's not like you're going to be able to see it. But, um, you know, my coach who sees me every day, uh, she would see it or I would see it yep. and then you know I'm still um, trying to take care of my feet and um, trying to um, improve my fitness and just get fitter and you know I think I'm really excited for 2020 and um, well no 2021 2020 is like over for me <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: so, hey, um, we, we want it to be all over all of us <laughs> let's, get yeah, to, so let's get to 2021 as quick as we can
4: uh, I don't know how much better it's going to be, but
3: um,
4: <laughs> I'm just going to try and be positive. So um, I'm pretty excited for the Aussie summer.
3: Absolutely. And some good news you know, coming through it. I mean, I think we all thought the Australian Open's going to happen. We're just not quite sure in what shape or form, but it seems encouraging that we're going to have crowds and, and ambience I imagine that's probably been the strangest feeling for the players particularly in New York where there was no crowds and such a minimal crowd presence in Paris when you come through the levels of the tour those who have to work their way from the ITFs or the futures and challenges are used to not playing in front of many people until you get to that really big stage so do you think it's been a a big factor for the players not to have crowds or are you very much just in your own zone and bubble on the court anyway?
4: To be honest, like you mentioned, there's still some WTA tournaments that you play and there's no crowds. I remember mm. playing and it was literally just like my family watching me. It's nothing nothing crazy. It's not like, you know, a soccer team or an AFL team playing on the. Empty Stadium. Yeah, hopefully the Australian Summer and also Open will have crowds because I'd like some support. <laughs> that
3: would be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, it looks like it's definitely going to go ahead. Dasha, good luck. What, 12 days to go? I've got a text in here. I'm not sure who it's from. Is Ellen Perez driving you nuts yet? That's come through on the text.
4: Oh, maybe she texted that. No, I'm kidding.
3: <laughs> ah. She's
4: not. She's not driving that might nuts. might be her
3: number. I've seen some Instagram. You look like you're getting on, like a house on fire. Hey, Dash, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, look forward to seeing you getting back and getting some continuity into your tennis and and hopefully rising uh, back up in 2021. Thank you. So, Daria yeah. Gavrilova, just nice and relaxed in the hotel room there in Perth. Not much else to do. Got a quarantine for 14 days. We'll take a break. All thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. Go to their website, tennisdirect.com.au, right now. First serve listeners, 10% discount store wide. So take advantage. Use the promo code FirstServe10. i going to come back. Quite a few of your techs are coming through and love to take your calls. 1 300 736 736. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlife
2: Group. Celebrating 25 years providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia. GLG, your open space specialists. GLGCorp.com
3: Welcome back to The First Serve. Brett Phillips with you on this Monday night. Renato's jumped on the line. Uh, Renato, good evening. Good evening. How are we going, Brett? Very good. Yourself? Very good, thank you. What do you got for us?
1: Oh, look, uh, just in regards to the situation in Melbourne, in regards to the uh, coaching, you know, um, the last time on the Restriction 3, all the coaches in Metro Melbourne were allowed to do uh, private lessons um, and so on. And I was extremely disappointing, as you pointed out last week on your show, which was uh, great to hear that we're not able to uh, at least do our private lesson, our one-on-one, mm-hmm. which is 20 meters plus away from the other, from the from the student from the player. Yep. And then yep. Uh, last week I went to the uh, I went to Gardenia Park in Glenariff, and I sent you, I sent to you the video, and you see yes. Uh, yes. soccer training yeah. with uh, groups of three. Um, I saw a personal trainer with uh, ropes, weights, and uh, I saw, as well, an athletic a coach doing a training with a group of five.
3: Now, and Renata, you're from the three. East Malvern Tennis Club, so Future Tennis Academy, which is a, a big setup. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show we had Stefan Woodley on the show last week, so talking about a petition, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, you know, Tennis Victoria, the Tennis Coaches Association of Victoria – and not wanting to get in the petition path but there's enough coaches who feel really passionate about getting tennis reinstated for those reasons that you said now i believe there's a lot of signatures that have gone on that do you know sort of where that is at this week
1: yeah sure most definitely there's about almost five thousand signatures and uh we're trying to contact our local council and uh try to put pressure on the on the government but you know for what i heard is a few people that are called some councils they don't want to hear the bar of it because they think the uh, reason is that people will travel past a five-kilometer ratio. That's what they actually to- uh, told us. And it doesn't make any sense because mm. uh, on the 12th of October, uh, ES 7 will go back to school, I believe. Yeah. So what is their logic of that? You know, And a lot, of, a lot of places, clubhouses are closed. Everybody's got a COVID plan. Everybody's doing everything, the right thing. And I don't see the problem at all of uh uh, you know, um, going back to coaching, Tennis Victoria being actually uh, contact us and trying to help them the best they can, but it's very, very frustrating, especially the mental side of it, because tennis coaches in particular are very active uh, socially and physically, and it's been very hard for us not to be able to do what we love, you know? Mm. To, yeah, very to, frustrating. To, Look, it doesn't make a lot of yeah. sense. You
3: feel like uh, certainly the Andrews government is not going to you know, change their mind, but... Look, I think you know the tennis fraternity, the passionate uh, tennis family of Victoria, just needs to keep knocking and uh, and keep certainly advocating the positives of tennis and the social distancing and and the ways it can be done uh, COVID safe and and hope that maybe uh, those uh, powers above will uh, relent. Renato, thanks for calling in. We'll uh, we'll chat again. Thank you so much. Renata, who's part of East Malvern Tennis Club, uh, Future Tennis Academy. You're going to have a chat to Damien Saunders in just a moment. We'll get him up on the line up in Bendigo. A little issue going on up there. The uh, centre-court action tonight uh, Court Philippe Chatrier, Petra Kvitova up against uh, Zhang Shui of China. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov up against Stefanos Tsitsipas. Uh, Novak Djokovic to take on Karin Khachanov and Fiona Ferro taking on uh, Sophia Kennan. The Iron Man add-on, uh, Suzanne Longlen. Martin Fuchevich, the Hungarian, who's as ripped as a tennis player as I've seen. I mean, talk about Jordan Thompson being extremely fit here in Australia. This guy is just uh, bulging with the biceps and um, he's in good nick. And his tennis game has actually sort of follow the physical uh, state that he's got himself into. It's just marrying up beautifully. Uh, he is taking on Andre Rublev, hard not to like uh, Rublev, one of the mad Russians. Uh, on Bird taking on Daniel Collins. That'll be feisty from the Collins side of the net. Anyway, Pablo Corino busta taking on Daniel Altmaier, the German who is an absolute surprise packet uh, to get through to this stage of the tournament. Well, uh, closer to home, tennis in Bendigo in regional Victoria has a problem, but there is a group who believe they have a clear plan to fix it. Damien Saunders from the Bendigo Tennis Club, uh, Bendigo's newest club. Damien, welcome to the first serve. Thanks for having me, Brett. Uh, Great to have you on. Just give us a little bit of background here, if you can.
0: Yeah, sure. So so here in Bendigo, we have an incredible tennis facility. It's a $6.2 million Fosterville Gold Tennis Centre. Um, But surprisingly... Um, the centre doesn't contain a tennis club for us players living in the city of Greater Bendigo. And, and what we've seen is over the last three seasons since that centre was developed, um, that due to a lack of that club atmosphere and culture around the place, um, we've seen participation and player retention and junior development really suffered. So um, we've a group of local players have formed the Bendigo Tennis Club. Um, yep. And we're seeking the rights to be the primary tennis club at that centre.
3: Okay, so I've seen the pictures. I mean, it's a magnificent looking setup, isn't it, Damien? It's a brilliant looking centre and fairly modern uh, sort of clubroom, clubhouse facilities.
0: Yeah, look, it's, it's an incredible facility. It's located perfectly, uh, smack bang in the middle of Bendigo here, opposite Lake Waruna. Twenty six hard courts. Um, half of those are under lights. We've hosted professional tournaments there, um, and so the, the centre is currently managed by the Bendigo Tennis Association. Um and like most associations, they're broadly responsible for the promotion of the game in the area. Um, they also manage our interclub competitions or our pennant competitions, um, but they also manage competitions at the center. Um, and they also sell a tennis membership to that facility. And yep. as you can imagine, Brett, that there's a significant amount of time spent running those competitions and membership and and what we've seen is that the association has developed itself into kind of a quasi-club. Um, and really, you know, as many of your listeners have, have phoned in over the last three or four weeks, we really need the association to focus on its core um, responsibilities and have a club take on those club functions and, um, and, and responsibilities. So um, we believe that, you know, it'll enable BTA to focus on its core areas and um, having a club there will be a real benefit to, to the community
3: and players. You sent the proposal through to me. So it's caught the eye of a number of stakeholders. Which key stakeholders has that caught the eye of?
0: Yeah, so it's a, it really is a good news story. Um, and I have the luxury of returning to the to the town after a number of years and um, saw some of these issues with a fresh set of eyes. So a group of us has put together this proposal, um, and now we are engaged with Tennis Victoria, the City of Greater Bendigo and, and BTA-affiliated clubs. And we have a really active chain of communication and really an investment from those stakeholders now to just kind of move this forward. And what we know is that, um, you know, simply moving along the same path that we've been going on is not going to work for us. And, you know, tennis itself has challenges that... Um, you know, we're going to need a good, a strong governance structure here in place in Bendigo for us to meet those challenges. So, Tennis Victoria thankfully have taken the lead, um, and they're set to organise a meeting with all stakeholders in the coming weeks. So, um, stay tuned for an update on that.
3: Damien, you mentioned you've been listening to our show, and obviously, you know, going back to August, we've been, you know, talking about grassroots uh, tennis, and we'll continue to talk about it. And, and our request is still in for Craig Tiley, the tournament director of the Australian Open, the CEO of Tennis Australia. Uh, to come on this show and, and answer the concerns about grassroots tennis, can I just ask you from a bigger picture point of view of how you see the game at that level generally?
0: Yeah, look, you know, I want to sh- actually give a shout out. There's a couple of clubs here in Bendigo who are doing a, r- a really great job and they have a really a good problem. They have too many members for not enough courts. So yep. actually the game the game in some areas where where there's a real focus on the club environment much like you know a football club or a netball club or a dance club or an art or 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 some form of other club where there's a sense of belonging that you know people want to be a part of you know and, and and i listened to a listener there i think a couple of weeks ago jeremy was was sort of saying that he'd seen that throughout europe and and that's what we really believe is missing um, we have great coaches in the area. Um, we have mm. great support from Tennis Victoria and we have an incredible facility. So we, we feel like the area we're lacking in, just in our little area, is you know, a, a club culture and um, you know, we've all been part of clubs that you, know, you love and you die for and, um, and that's what we're really about at the Bendigo Tennis Club.
3: Good luck uh, pushing it through. Keep in touch with us and if there's anything we can do at the first serve to assist at all, you know, if we can assist, uh, please let us know.
0: No problems. Thanks.
3: Good on you, Damien. Damien Saunder, Bendigo Tennis Club, and, and really trying to make sure that the Fosterville Gold Tennis Centre, which is a jewel area in Bendigo, it's a beautiful set-up. Uh, the aerial shots uh, sent to me, lots of courts, great clubhouse facilities. He's properly utilised uh, by that group who believe a club should be uh, clearly... Established. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, thanks to 100 Words, a network of active local communities with the aim of improving men's uh, mental health right behind us here on the first serve, reducing male suicide. Check out their great work at 100words.com.au. We'll come back with our final segment on the first serve. GLG, your open space specialists. GLGcorp.com. Welcome back to The First Serve. Another hour races by pretty quickly. I wanted to make sure I did acknowledge your texts which have been uh, coming through. Brett, Adam here. Just uh, wanted your thoughts and uh, on the show regarding uh, Craig Tyley's announcement that the Australian Open will go ahead with half crowd capacity for 2021. Yeah, look, certainly I think, you know, it, there's been a fairly consistent line from TA for a, a number of weeks, you know, looking at that crowd capacity between sort of 25 and 50% we know how big the Melbourne Park Precinct is, uh, obviously stretching you know, from Fed Square, Flinders Street, all the way down to Richmond Station with the whole AO Festival that's been created, Grand Slam Oval, uh, the expanded uh, practice court. So it's a big site for people to move around on, certainly compared to the other uh, Grand Slam sites uh, around the world. Now, if you're talking about... What 900,000 people coming through that precinct last year, for example, if you're cutting that down to four hundred, three hundred thousand, 300,000. I mean, normally the Australian Open's going to be averaging sort of around, what, 40,000 spectators a day. Certainly that Super Saturday gets the biggest attendance, which will be, uh, I think, well over sort of 50,000 at a guess. So I think the courts are one thing, the major courts, obviously Rod Laver, Margaret Court and... Uh, Melbourne Arena, and then there's what they do with crowds on the outside courts and and spread across the precinct. So, look, it'll come together, there's no doubt. There's a huge team working behind it, as I've said last week and on other uh, sort of radio stations over the last few days. uh, The players, you know, with the aim to get them here in mid-December, quarantine, wherever they might be flying into, whether it's Sydney, uh, Perth, Brisbane, for the ATP Cup, the lead-up tournaments, the girls up in Brisbane, for all that to go ahead and and then get to Melbourne for that last sort of uh, two or three weeks of uh, January. So I think, I think it's absolutely going to happen. There's been a lot of uh, discussion with the players. Obviously, now for the men, what's interesting after the French Open, so there will be what well, another six weeks of tennis, so a couple of 250s, St. Petersburg, uh, Cologne and Sardinia next week, the European Open, uh, you've got Vienna, uh, there's a tournament in Kazakhstan, you've got Paris, the Masters 1000, Sofia, Uh, The 250 event in uh, Bulgaria and then you've got the ATP finals uh, that week of the 15th of November. Uh, for the women, though, they were contemplating uh, perhaps having the WTA finals in Prague, but that's been knocked on the head, and they're not going to have the draw card, uh, being the world number one uh, Ash Barty. So they've canned that. There's no WTA events, as I said to Dara Gavrilova, apart from uh, that one event in the Czech Republic, which has obviously got a cut off, so not everyone's going to make that. There's a few ITF events at the lower tier. So the players who have had a little taste of returning to tennis will be desperate to get back and, and get to Australia early, and obviously, the way it's tracking around the world, uh, with the United States and particularly the second wave through Europe, and fingers crossed that we are absolutely on the right track and heading for uh, a, you know a nice COVID-free environment or as close to as we can get in the next uh, two or three months, Australia is going to be the place where the tennis players would probably prefer to be. So. It's certainly going to happen. Uh, talk of exhibition matches being played in December. We had, obviously, Craig Tyser, Ash Barty's coach, on a couple of weeks ago talking about that. So there's going to be more tennis than probably uh, ever before. Just want to acknowledge, uh, starting from scratch, they offer premium glass repair, great partners of air, specialising in the removal of window scratches, bringing it back to its former glory, whether it's those scratches on the sliding door that the pet dog has caused uh, to the local milk bar that has been graffiti tagged with a the knife. Uh, they can remove it. They're working for you, starting from scratched.com.au. Uh, it's all timed in beautifully, with the French Open about to start, not during the show. With the uh, Daylight Saving kicking in here in Melbourne, what a second week. Uh, Raphael Nadal, can he make it 13? It would be an extraordinary achievement. Can Dominic team rise and take his scalp? He's got to get past Schwartzmann first. I do apologise to a couple of other texts I just haven't had a chance to get to, but I'll acknowledge those uh, off air. So I do appreciate you. Uh, texting him, calling in tonight. Great to catch up with uh, Daria Gavrilova. Hopefully there's still some really good tennis uh, left in her career. Uh, For the people here in Victoria, keep knocking. Keep knocking to get tennis reinstated. We'll keep covering the grassroots as well. Have a great week, everyone. We'll crown a French Open champion by the end of it. I'll talk to you next Monday.
2: Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to the live shows you miss on a Monday night. Plus our weekly themed podcast content including Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers and In the Huddle produced by Study and Play USA. Plenty of content to listen to weekly. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis.